nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s. What a bunch of sappy crap. It's the Sappy Crap Podcast. Starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Welcome to the Sappy Crap Podcast, where the names are changed, but the stories are real. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. That's right. The stories are real, or at least how our brains have been able to keep them. At this point, it's been so long, it's all just stories and tall tales. That's right. And we're here to tell those tall tales in a way that only two longtime best friends can. The tallest way that two friends can. And this week, we're talking about sort of a general idea. <laughs> <laughs> and that's early internet stuff. Yeah, literally how we pitch this to each other. So the way I think about this is that they started to delineate different um, generations of people like the millennials and you have your boomers, but they're kind of breaking down the millennials even further to like to to who was growing up with or without Internet Um, because it kind of changed the numbers. It changed the course of history, basically. You were there really literally at the switching point of it happening. Yeah, and I'm 34 and you're 33 still, Steve, I think. Maybe. I might be 34. I'm tired. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know. Be 34. I know a lot of our listeners are probably older and like, oh, you youngins, you don't even know how it was. But it's. It, I think Steve and I have a fun, unique perspective that we were there right at the pivot point at that formative age of teenage years when this all kind of took hold. Oh, yeah, like like late elementary to early middle school is really when it was all birthing. And then high school is when it kind of started to bloom and become its own thing. And in college, we, we were there for the first uh, social media networks, right? Was we were going to college and friendsters and the Facebook. That's right. The Facebook. the Facebook. Oh, we should get into that a little bit later as well. So German, I've got, I've got a question for you to open all this up. Sure. What was the first account you remember having on something? Oh, I remember very well that probably the first account account was my AOL account, which was Jughead95 was my name. I don't I think because it was 1995 when I created it. And I like mm-hmm. Jughead from the Archie comics because I yes. he, he reminded me of me because he looked kind of like me. And he yeah, was, it's true. You did kind of like Jughead. He was gawky and skinny and nerdy and he liked food. And that was me. <laughs> what about you? Um, I think that it was either a hotmail account mm. where my tag was babino5 i remember that uh or maybe aim aol instant messenger not aol right it came a little bit later it's a messenger a little bit later so that i could talk to people on aim and aol would you remember where babino5 came from Yes. So I, I remember exactly. So my brother and I went and picked up a late night copy of Zelda Ocarina of Time for N64. And uh-huh. we brought it home and my parents said we could play for like a few hours because I think we had church the next day. I had church the next day. <laughs> so we break it out and I make my character and I go to spell. He's like, just go with something original. I'd never come up with a gamer tag before. So I just go, I start spelling Bambino because I think I'd just seen uh, Sandlot maybe. Oh. <laughs> and a number. And I misspelled it. He's like, did you mean Bambino? And I went, yeah, whatever. Because <laughs> you care so much. <laughs> it's, uh, I just hit next because I wanted to friggin' play Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Babino 5 was born. Why'd you put a number? That. Did you have to put a number? I know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, of course, your gamer tag was always Shib because it was your initials. 
Stephen Henry Bauman. But yeah. then with the, I guess the eye in there, An just eye for, in there to bridge it, <laughs> to make it some make more it of a name. So he shib. Otherwise, shib. And I'm always now voint on all gamer tags because it's just something I came up with like from the word point, and there was like vo- I like V's for some reason. It's all my very character unique. names, like it's you don't see that anywhere. Yeah, I can pretty much create that at any account. If I I know that if I make an account that says it already has that name, that just means I've already made an account with that. Yeah, you forgot about. <laughs> it. I forgot about it. But yeah, and then Valthrain is my other one for fantasy games. It just Ooh, I like V's. Nice. Valthrain <laughs> voint, yeah. So um, I also there was a thing called net zero. Do you remember that? No. So somehow if you could if you did it right, it was free Internet, basically. So you'd have to pay for AOL or pay by the minute when you get those you get the CDs in the mail, the promo CDs for AOL to make an account and it would give you a certain amount of hours of Internet time. Um, but net zero was promoting itself as free, I guess, because it had ads uh, or something. Um, that sounds right. And so I would use that and try to like download movies and stuff, but not movies, but like movie clips and movie trailers, Yeah, little tiny things that you could find. It would take like a day to download something. <laughs> and then it wouldn't be a clean file. It wouldn't be like a clean copy or something. And you'd have to spend another day trying to find something. <laughs> and I'd always have to do my downloading at night because it would take a, up the phone line. So I had to like when no one was using the phone. And then I remember game, my, uh, doing a whole argument with my parents how they should get us a second phone line dedicated just to the modem. And my sister and I, I think my stepbrother, made like poster boards. Like we did a business uh, presentation for why it would benefit us all to have a second phone line. So that was the thing that happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember the same thing. In Florida, it was a big deal because we had a family, we had a gateway when oh. I think I was nine. When Windows 95 came out, mm-hmm. we had a gateway. And it was mostly my mom's computer for her writing stuff or typing stuff. Um, but when we moved to Florida, the conference got her, I think, a computer and paid for a phone line for her to have Internet. Oh, nice. And so we had a second phone line in the house. So when she was using it, I had like a dedicated Internet phone line. That's awesome. And that was very exciting when she wasn't using it for work. Yeah, because otherwise, if someone picks up the phone to make a call, it cuts you off your internet, and you're just oh, yeah. you're, you're off. <laughs> I still remember um, trying to download a, a single photograph of a pornographic image, and it would just sit there and load and just like dink, dink, dink slowly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was all pixelated and everything. So, and it was probably just like a picture of a naked lady. Twenty-eight K, fifty-six. Yeah, twenty-eight fifty-six. <laughs> so we've come a long way since then. People, oh, are, we really have come a long way. And then it wasn't until I think it was 15 or 16 that I talked my dad into like high speed internet. Oh yeah. And that was super expensive at the time. It was, it was, but it was crazy. I remember how much fat it was just incredibly faster. It's become exponentially faster over time. I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, I get, I've, I've got like speeds of 400 or something. Oh, now you're saying down. Yeah. Well, now I, and I just got fiber internet. I'm lucky because they're making it really cheap through AT&T. Right, shut up. So I got for 60 bucks a month, American, I, hate you. I get I hate you. 1000 megabytes download, 1000 megabytes upload. So it's, it. it's I have to pay like I just paid 200 bucks to get that out of here. Well, eventually it's so weird that you live near Silicon Valley and you don't have that available. Yet. Well, it's because there's so much density here. There's so many people that want that service. That's true. But Google says claims are going to make it available for the whole United States eventually. So it'll be unavoidable. But I remember going to college and they had this weird thing like T10 lines um, that went through all the different college campuses throughout Boston. So I went to Boston University. And so it was incredibly fast. It's basically almost as fast as what I have now back then in 2004. And so 
if you did it right and got on the internet, we would get Napster or LimeWire and you could download a song in a second. And I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> so I can't believe this because we'd be downloading a song for like an hour at home if it was if it would take forever. And then once you get it, it wasn't the real song, like you said, or it was mislabeled or oh, something. I remember getting into learning how to do uh, BitTorrent stuff very early. Yeah, I didn't figure that out till 11, later. 11 or 12, maybe a little younger, like I remember by the time we got the second computer that we had, the one that I was actually able to play games on, <laughs> that that computer, like I remember the first thing I did was get a BitTorrent client and start downloading songs. Oh, wow. Yeah, I should have gotten that earlier. <laughs> and something, too, that was just crazy was video content was so much more difficult and rare. And so the video websites that were out there, I can't remember all their names, but they were, you know, they had short films on them, like short comedic shorts and that kind of thing, because there wasn't YouTube yet. And so there's a thing we're watching earlier tonight, actually, with my girlfriend called Derek Comedy. It's actually where Donald Glover got his start. Um, and they were on all these websites that were before YouTube, where you put like you try to get your short films up there. And there's they became famous. Each one of these movies, everyone knew what they were. You could talk about them in school because there were so few out there. Um, whereas now you're talking about a YouTube video. Chances are no one's seen it but you, you know, so it's crazy. Let's talk about teenage angst and the internet. Mm. So the, the, we were the, we sort of were at the advent of the birth of having like a page, having an internet presence. Yes. And do you mean things like Friendster and MySpace? Do you have a MySpace? Mm. No, I have a live journal though. I'm very active on. Oh my God. Live journal was big I with everybody. My poetry there. You should check it out. <laughs> yeah. My ex, uh, uh, we'll call her, uh, Betsy, I don't know. She had a uh, like probably years worth of live journal poetry and songs that she wrote and stuff like ah, that. Gross. And she would she would often hint like, you know, you should probably read those if you want to get to know like who I really was, and because she didn't want to talk to me in regular conversations. You want to know me and who I was back then? Now I'm happy with who you are now. No, but if you really want to <laughs> dig, now I'm good. <laughs> Well, this is a, a girlfriend that I, I couldn't get to know because she just wouldn't talk to me about things, about her past or history or, you know, emotional conversations. So I had to just like, I actually did turn to those live journals to try to figure out who, oh, who she was. <laughs> so that was a pain in the butt. You met her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one you're talking about, but I met them all. <laughs> but and yeah, MySpace, you get to your first friend, Tom, uh, was. Yeah, Tom. was on there. friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember, God, I remember email was a much bigger thing. Oh, yeah, I didn't have much in the way of email because we didn't really do much emailing as kids, you know, like, who are you going to email, your boss? <laughs> oh, I remember for me, it was like, because I went away, I worked at the summer camp mm. that one summer, and email was like one of the easiest ways to actually keep up with people. Oh, yeah, that's true. You email your parents. They had time to sit down and type, and they had two computers we could use. And also, do you remember IRC? Oh yeah, MIRC, absolutely. Uh, when I played, uh, so back in my early days of gaming, I played. Jeremy and I both played a game called Team Fortress Classic, mm-hmm. which has since had a sequel, TF2. But TFC is the shit. Oh my god, conk jumping and uh, playing the heavy and like learning how to conk aim and rocket jumping and working as a team. Uh, I dedicated hours to this game. I played in like league clan level. Yeah, competitive and was there at the death of a very prestigious clan called the descendants mm. who rocked the rocked for a little while. And I was there sort of after the hump, <laughs> but I was happy to be there at the end. But you guys would use IRC to communicate. 
the IRC is where we had our channels. Uh, yeah, it was basically like a proto discord, um, but way back in the early days of the internet. Yeah. And it was so, but also you use it for chat a lot. I, before aim was bigger, I think IRC got there a little beforehand and, but then aim kind of took over AOL instant messenger and that's what everyone at school would use. And, Oh man, aim was such a great way to, to flail at girls. (laughs) Oh, and you remember how big of a deal it was that what your away message was? Oh yeah. And then there was, people would set lyrics. Oh yeah. Or their moods or like a quote. And eventually there was a way that if when you sent someone a message, it would play the sound effect you wanted it to play when you sent them a message. It was it was a lot of stuff with that. It was, it was a lot of stuff. I remember it was for for like an angsty middle school, high school boy. It was such an easy avenue because you can type whatever you want. Yeah. And like rephrase and sit and think about something and type the perfect thing every time if you have enough time. It's like writing a letter. <laughs> right. But I'll never forget the first time I got AIM. This is my monumental internet moment. And my buddy, was it you or I think it might have been you. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I sent you a message on Instant Messenger and then you came over and I didn't call you, didn't nothing else. And I was like, it worked. He saw my message through the interwebs because <laughs> you instant you came over like 10 minutes later because I said, hey, come on over and hang out. And then you came over I was like, whoa, it worked. Whoa. <laughs> Shit. That was a monumental moment. <laughs> Steve on demand. <laughs> Steve on demand. I just type in this sentence and I then he shows up. Get over here. <laughs> And I remember uh, like gaming was not a big thing on the internet yet because the internet was still fairly new, um, at least the masses. And there's a place called Cyberplay uh, we go to in our local neighborhood, which we might have talked about in the video game episode a little bit. Yeah, um, I think that, that might have been what spawned this idea. Yeah. And so we go to this place that had a bunch of computers. Now you think of it as a germ nightmare at this point. But and you go there and you pay by the hour or by half hour to play land games or Internet games on their souped up computers um that was and it was amazing it was like a heavenly place to go to i do you remember when like teachers didn't like educators didn't trust the internet oh yeah when you i remember for a long time teachers just flat out outlawed it i remember they're like nope we don't no no internet resources in your bibliography right it wasn't a trusted resource and then I remember there was a transition period, maybe sometime in middle school, where teachers started saying, okay, well, you have to have five resources and only two of them can be from the internet. Yes, I remember that. Like, there's a limit. And then come high school, college, that's all it was like. If you're quoting the internet, you need to quote the person, the writer. The, there was formatting for it. You mm-hmm. know, there were rules that you had to follow. But it was just part of normal shtick by the time I was in college. And then there was one resource, I think, called JSTOR, which had... Uh, jstore.org which had all these um, academic articles and, and academic magazines and journals and they're like okay that one's always okay because that has real academic stuff so if you can show the, the jstore article number and you get a free membership as part of being in college you can use them as a not wikipedia which was new at that point um and no one trusted that but yeah i remember that very well you can't source those things <laughs> that transition though from no trust to like a little bit of trust to, all right whatever it's there <laughs> yeah now no one goes to libraries <laughs> Um. Yeah. Ha, ha, jokes on you, Benjamin Franklin. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible people. Um. All but, right. So, yeah. What? Well, go for it. Oh, I was gonna say. Um. And then I remember going 2004 to Boston University, 
And that's right where the Facebook started over in, in Harvard, in Boston. Mm-hmm. And even in the movie Social Network, um, you have uh, what's his face? Mark Zuckerberg character going on a date with his girlfriend and her saying he's like, well, it's not like your school's very hard. She's like, what are you talking about? I go to Boston University. He's like, exactly. <laughs> he makes fun of her school. And I'm like, that's where I go to school. But he was making the Facebook right there. And so all the Northeast colleges got it first. And I remember before I went to college, I signed up for it because I had you had to have an EDU address to sign up for Facebook mm-hmm. at first. There's you're, only- you're, 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 you had to have like a registered domain with Facebook, basically. Right. And you can only be a student at that point. Um, and that's how I met my roommates first. They said, we sent messages over Facebook. Um, and or I said, there wasn't even a messenger at that point. So we actually just looked at each other's profiles and they encouraged that in our like syllabus saying, we have this new thing called the Facebook and you can see your new roommates on the Facebook. Um, and then it just grew ridiculous. I remember being so pissed off the day that it went to everybody and not just students. So I was like, oh no, now everyone's going to be able to do it. And when they opened it up, uh, when parents can do it, it's not cool anymore. (laughs) That's right. Oh, at that time, it was just for college and hooking up. Yeah. I mean, originally, it was like hookup board. Oh, events. Where can I go to hook up? <laughs> and you could actually search by people who were single back then. I remember doing that when I was in college. I remember it was also much easier to be like a creepy perv back then. Oh, yeah. Because you could literally just go to like, show me friends, new photos. <laughs> and and like you didn't it just brought all the new stuff to you you didn't have to go friend to friend like it was so easy to just drown in facebook <laughs> yeah and there was no privacy settings so like everybody's facebook profile was public just open oh man it was the wild west man <laughs> that's why i remember going on a date with this girl once in college and she's like some people tell me my i look like, I look like my grandmother and i'm like yeah you kind of do and she's like what how would you know that and I was like, well, no, well, I, I, I looked Facebook. at your Facebook profile picture. What? And she's like, oh, God, she never went out with me again. <laughs> but it's public information. I wanted to look her up right. before I went on a date with her. <laughs> what's OK? So let's, let's get a little feisty here. Mm-hmm. What's what's your first Internet porn experience? You remember? like, what's the website you remember? Um, I don't remember websites, but what I remember most vividly is like the first image of of a nude woman having sex was mm-hmm. i think i just probably searched like sex with woman or something like that <laughs> and yeah just, on, on like yahoo or something yeah. yeah and this image came up and i just remember being like that's what it looks like wow. <laughs> and that image is burned in my brain forever not in a bad way but just like i'm remembering that as the <laughs> like every time i close my eyes it's all i see you know because <laughs> it was like nothing no nothing severely gross or disturbing it was just like oh it was my first image of penetrative sex it was on that that one photo that took forever to load you know inch by inch Um, i remember the huns yellow pages which might still exist never heard of it at the time basically what it was is it was a big sample board for all of these like sex video websites where they're like here's the free samples of the day oh and they were all kind of consolidated on the huns yellow pages that sounds vaguely familiar actually (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So you would click and it would take you to this site, which would be any number of ads and that kind of thing. And you would watch the porno that you wanted to watch <laughs> or like a short clip version of it. And there were probably banner ads because that was a big thing oh, back there then. Was everything. Oh, my God. Banner ads and pop ups and sweet Lord. <laughs> Just spamming your The malware we infected these poor oh, yes. fucking 
Well, I remember like I was, you know, going through puberty and everything, and I was obsessed with, you know, women like and women in general. And so I made my first GeoCities website page, and uh-huh. gifts were all the rage back then. So they they just came out with gifts or animated, you know, images. And mm-hmm. so I had tons of annoying gifts all over the website, and I also just put uh, little sub like um, websites in the website. We click on each woman that I liked. So I liked Mila Jovovich, Carmen Electra. And a few others, you could just click on their image, and then it would take you to like another image wow. set. I put all my favorite pictures of my favorite ladies on this website. You're like an early hacker. <laughs> I was like, a, I was learning HTML too. This was all by text, so you couldn't. There was yeah. no like, you know, there was very early Dreamweaver, but even that was complicated. So I studied. I've forgotten all of it by now. But I was, I was a coder back then. Man, that's just crazy. <laughs> and how far it's come now. And how far it's come. Yeah, we've got profiles we've had set up. You know, I get Facebook things like, here's a memory from nine years ago. <laughs> and I go, nine years ago, I had Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> Technically, I had Facebook f- 16 years ago when I got on Facebook. I know. Facebook. Like, nine years ago, I had Facebook for four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, I got a new Facebook profile once I moved back to Orlando in 2013. So I just kind of deactivated the old one. So I don't get memories that are that old. But. It is crazy to think that's been around that long. What do you think is good and bad about this internet advent over this time? I mean, I think the, the opportunities for communication building of communities. And I think I've talked about this. Like if you like some weird thing, you can go online and find eight people that are into that same weird thing. Probably 8,000 nearby you. Mm Mm-hmm. That you can find eight people that that at least like that same weird thing that you like. It's just a guarantee. Um, and sharing your information and education, those sort of things. But then there's the other side of it: the the overbloating of online personas and sort of the advent of the internet fame, internet fame. Yeah, being famous for being famous and not really doing much. Being famous for being famous. Um, and this generation of kids that measure themselves on Instagram likes and yeah thumbs up and heart emojis um and i think that that is being magnified right now especially during covid when people are on lockdown where kids are that's their that's who they are right now kids are their online personas they're like avatars that don't go out in the real world yeah um and so i think that we are further amplifying that and i don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing yeah and then basically going back to that thing i talked about earlier about Derek comedy and and a lot of these um old video shorts that were on there and they were internet famous for making real content that took a lot of time and effort to make. And they were famous for a good reason, arguably. And then now people on like this TikTok thing where they're doing these really bony, weird dances that are take little to no effort. And it's like a 10 second video and they become famous for like, you know, a month or so. And it's, it's for, it's for something that's just, really i'm sorry but just dumb like there's nothing <laughs> something impressive about these videos a lot of these videos are fake uh, like a lot of fake reaction videos um people well, reacting then to things. that then we have that leading into the advent and sort of the the blow up of things like only fans yeah which is somewhere in the realm of prostitution well i mean i think it's more of the realm of, of stripping and i think that right it's, it's like sex work yeah, it's sex work, and I think it's it's safe sex work because you're. I mean, as long as you're being That's careful true. about it, it is the safest of sex work. Yeah, and so I think if it's beneficial to people and people are buying it, I, no one's getting hurt. And I think it's great. Forced into it or anything like that. 
Yeah. And arguably it's and yeah. a lot of times if there's actual sex going on between the, the there and them and their partner um, who already they live with them in the pandemic, you know, that kind of thing. So it's OK. Well, let's say for the porn industry in general, too, because thought of it that way. But I guess that's a fair assessment. And a lot of it also like they're doing their own business. They're not going through some shady, you know, producers or that kind of thing who could be putting True. them in danger. Um, so I'm kind of a fan of that going that direction. Um, but I guess my question becomes like, what what does this generation like, what does this look like? What does that look like in 20 years? That's hard to say, yeah, because things change so much in just 20 years. It's, right. Where does it go from here? Well, especially yeah. since we've been changed forever because of the pandemic and how we use the internet. And mm-hmm. I remember for years, we've always ha- we've had video calls for decades now, but no one really used them. They never really caught on. Even Skype was like, uh, it was a sometimes thing you did. But now it's changed forever where everyone is used to video calls because of the internet. And then it's we just have, the norm. It's the what norm. It and so even on our phones, like FaceTime was, you know, semi-popular, but not like everyone was doing it. But now it's kind of like more people want that human interaction and seeing someone's face. And so I think oh, it'll be, absolutely. It'll be more popular. Thing most of us get now. Yeah. <laughs> I remember kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so your poor daughter just barely remembers other children existing. <laughs> Do you remember the names of two of your friends? Oh, I remember kids. <laughs> oh. So yeah, internet good and bad. Uh, social yeah. media being the bad part of that. Um, we were there right at the right at that turn. Yeah, and I think just because yeah, people are older than us were remember this whole transition as well. But since we were forming into adults as it was forming into its adulthood, I think it's a very unique perspective that we have and makes Not us only that we we got to live through education forming to the internet. We got to learn. Mm-hmm. We got to be there for parents forming of their ideas and opinions of the internet. And really just society around us trying to figure out how to cope with this changing our entire landscape of life. And so we're, we've kind of been, gotten the short end of the stick with this because all the people who were in charge didn't know how to handle this as we were growing up with it. So like our colleges were, were confused. Our parents were confused. Our teachers were confused. And so we were like, what do we have to figure this out on our own? <laughs> you know? So that's kind of what happened to us. It's unfortunate. We were the guinea pig generation for the Internet. Yep. And now it's and just, we turned out OK. I think so. I would argue we have. I still know how to talk to humans. Humans. <laughs> so, yeah, early Internet. I think that was a little fun discussion. Good, good there. talk. Good talk. <laughs> and we'll go into more nebulous talkings like that very soon, because that wraps up this episode of the Sappy Crap Podcast. Thanks for joining us as we discuss teenage angst, the internet, and so much more. Join us next time when we talk about who knows what. That's right. And thanks for joining us for this delightful stumble down memory lane. And don't forget the good old days weren't always that good. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds. 